0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast. My name is Paul Fagan, and I'm here with Jody Fisher. Hey, Jody. How are you doing? Hello, Paul. How are you today? Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, This podcast is for all the dads out there who struggle with life's topics as they are related to family and finances. Our hope is that we can provide our thoughts, successes, and mistakes and share them with all of you. Uh, Today's topic that we're going to discuss is banks and fees. and actually, probably a little bit beyond banks as well. We'll talk about maybe some other uh, corporate entities, but pr- predominantly talking about banks and fees and, and the pitfalls of dealing with banks and other financial institutions. Um, I wanna actually have one side note that I wanna just say here. A friend of ours, Jody, heard, a mutual friend of ours, heard our, our podcast, uh, one of the episodes, and he heard a garage door opening in the background that's right. me guilty i do mine from the garage <laughs> and and i think that's that's what he said and and what i wanted to make a point of is we are truly authentic right we are dads that are locked in rooms or garages with the kids running around outside stealing 30 minutes of time right so we're truly authentic so when you hear those brief disruptions or garage door openings you know that we're not in some stuffy studio somewhere um, going through this we are doing real time real life podcasts as real financial dads so I just couldn't wanted say, to add that couldn't note. have said it better yeah this is, this is <laughs> real life this we're not we're not pretending like you said we're not in a studio
1: we're not you know this is not perfect this is real life
0: yep absolutely absolutely
1: uh, so, and by the way, thanks to that mutual friend for listening to our podcast. We appreciate it.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, we appreciate anyone who's listening and, and the subscribership is growing a little bit out of time. So we appreciate it. Thank you everyone. Um, I'll jump into my current situation when it comes to banks and fees and the gotchas and the pitfalls, right? So, um, the story that I talked about on a previous podcast was around a, a credit card account, uh, banking error. I, I put the payment in on time. The bank had a delay in issuing that payment to the credit card provider, and I got hit with the late fee and, and the interest, which I hadn't paid in, in decades. Um, I called them up, fought with them, and they would not make that, make that change. So I actually put them on speaker, pulled out my scissors, I cut the card, asked them to close my account, and I hung up. You did it right there with them on the on the phone. That's awesome. That's how mad I was. And you know how much the fee was. (laughs) You know how much the total. That is
1: such a gangster move. That is awesome. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and 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 so you know it was just like, I'm done with you guys. You know I think maybe the late fee was twenty five dollars. The interest was like two dollars because if I remember correctly, it was a credit card that I used to use for eBay, and the the charge on it that was late was like thirty five dollars. So the whole thing was obscene. It should have been wiped by the credit card company. Like any logical person would have seen the situation with my supporting detail and the dates that I provided and the bank records I had. And they would have easily, you know, if they were able to, to think on their own, they would have easily wiped it away. Right. But they didn't. Right. And, and I think I did try to escalate, but I got to the second person and, and that was of no help. And that's when I was frustrated. Cut the card on speaker. Ask them to close the account. And it's funny. They still send me mailings for credit cards. It, oh, it's I'm the sure funniest thing. I'm sure it's, they do. Yeah, it's the yeah, funniest because, thing ever.
1: And you, and you know what? They probably let you go as a customer, even though in our brains, and you know, it doesn't make sense to let a customer go. In their mind, it's like, who cares? There are 50 suckers in line behind you who are going to pay our stupid fees and going to pay our high interest rates. So we don't care. See you later you know what in a year you're going to come back around and that's why they keep selling you sending you mailers
0: yeah they figure at some point i'm going to bite but um i i i shred each and every one that i get someone told me i should just fill it out and send it to them and just put like and fill it out in crayon and, and just kind of send it back to them and waste their postage but uh there's there's bigger fish to fry, in you know and yeah and there's, absolutely there's Bigger things to do. So that's my my major example. Uh, Another example that I have was um, a big screen TV I bought from a major appliance and electronics chain, and I fell into that um, trap of the finance at 0%. But when I read the legalese within the the contract, um, they had the right, if you miss a payment, that they can retroactively go back in time at a rate of like 22.5% and charge you all that back interest. Wow. Wow. Which was amazing to me. And so I treated that going forward with kid gloves like I was handling a snake. Uh, I know Dave Ramsey uses that uh, reference. But I really was looking at this like I need to pay this off as fast as possible, get them the check, get this done. Because I really took the financing out for the warranty because I figured i get 0% for a couple of months and if there was something wrong with the TV – I would have a you know, I, I would have some leverage. That was my go that was my goal on it, um, to kind of hold it. But I then quickly realized that, you know, the TV's fine, let me get out of this potential trap of interest and move on. So I paid it off, which I always intended to do, but it was just another case of didn't realize, you know, what could happen if you're if you're not reading the fine print or you know, companies, finance companies and banks that are willing to just prey on fees, right? And if you read stories in the Wall Street Journal and on Google, and um, there's a lot of the revenue that the big banks get are from these fees. But, you know, those are my two particular situations. Jody, how about yourself? Uh, Any mistakes and and such in terms of or or, 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 um, issues with banks that you want to talk about?
1: Boy, mistakes. How much time do we have? We could do like a a week-long podcast on financial mistakes. And that's why we're here, right, Paul? Yes, yes. you know, and trying to, to take the mistakes that we've made and we've all made them, but try to take the mistakes that we've made, maybe pass along some of the learnings. Um, so other people don't make those mistakes. Um, I have made mistakes with home buying. I've made mistakes with credit cards. i made mistakes with banking and banking relationships. I've made mistakes in budgeting, you name it, I've done it. Um, and, and it, and it's given me this approach to um, what we've talked about in the past approach to money, which is being intentional with your money, making sure that you have a, a, a hand, a handle on your money and what you're doing with your money at all times, regardless of how much you have, regardless of what you're doing with your money, make sure, you know, every move like chess pieces on a chessboard, make sure, you know, every move you're going to be making that and being smart with your money, being intentional with your money is figure out how you're going to win. Um, You know, the other way I approach money is, look, you're going to make mistakes. I've made a ton of mistakes. I'm sure I'm going to make more mistakes in the future. Um, You can't hate the mistake. You've got to hate not learning from it. Because if you don't learn from the mistake, you are destined to lose. It's guaranteed. Um, You know, it's like, you know, burning, burning your hand twice on the same stove. Um, Figure out that the flame is hot. Uh, Like you were talking about, Paul, you know, with that with that zero percent credit card. You know, you made that one mistake that one time. You're never going to make that mistake again. Um, uh, and, and I've been in, the, in a similar situation. Um, I think we could probably get into sort of questions that you can ask. It, it's, it's tough to know what you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe we can, we can approach it this way. It's tough to know what you don't know about making decisions with money. Um, I'll use the example of, uh, when we bought a house uh, several years back, um, the one before this one, it was a new construction house. It was built on an empty lot. Um, and I think I may have told this story before, but I'll tell it again. New house, new construction house built on an empty lot. Taxes were extraordinarily low. And I was like, Oh, this is great. I didn't know that the reason the taxes were extraordinarily low that year was because the taxes were assessed on an empty lot. And year two, the taxes I think doubled or more. And into the, you know, thousand the tens of thousands of dollars. And I'm like, holy, what is this? And I only found out later it's because of the empty lot situation. Um I didn't know that. And I didn't know, even know to ask that question. So what I feel like I should have done was ask somebody, hey, what do I not know about this? Or what's going to change about this in a year? Or how is this going to be different down the road? Um, you know, if, if you ask a, a professional who's involved in the transaction, you know, if I had asked my real estate agent, if I had asked my bank, if I had, asked, if I had said, you know, no, tell me what I don't know they would have been like, oh, you're fine, you know everything, or whatever. They don't know what you don't know either. So you've got to prompt them. You've got to pull this stuff out like teeth. Yeah, you have you've to. You've got to ask them questions that prompt them to think a little bit, and then give you the information that will help you make better decisions. Again, you're still going to make mistakes, but asking questions, relying on professionals, and, and, then, um, and then making your own decision based on the information you have,
0: I think is the most important thing you can do, to try to avoid mistakes. Yeah, that's very well said. And I think that really, I think the name of this podcast is probably Financial Pitfalls, because I think we're going beyond banking and fees, which is great, because I have two similar stories when it comes to real estate. Um, Luckily, they weren't by me, right? I didn't make these mistakes. But um, we live in a town where there's two different school districts and there's, there's, um, there's the Rybrook School District, and there's the Porchester School District. And there are houses in town where you can have a Porchester post office with a Rybrook school system, or you can have Rybrook schools with a Rybrook address. But more importantly, you can have a Rybrook address with Porchester schools. And what typically happens is people want to buy in Rybrook for the school systems. Um, they, they they read about the school system online and and they want to come to the Rybrook school system. Um, the other school system um, is is fine but not as fine I would say survey wise than 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 Rybrook but I've met people in in parks and stuff and I, it's happened at least three times where people have bought a house thinking they bought the house in Rybrook. they go to put their kid into the Rybrook school and they're denied because they're zoned for the Portchester school system and I'm wowed by it and I would be I'm even more wowed by it because I've heard the story at least three times so in all these transactions nobody bothered or you know to to check on the school system right they everyone just assumed something right so
1: well and that's amazing to me too because you know it, anyone who's ever bought a house knows that one of the top things that a real estate professional will tell you is oh great schools it's the blah 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 school system
0: yeah no one ever even brought that up no I mean, one ever brought it up with these three particular people i'm telling you like, three, how do you buy a house and not ask that question I, I that was amazing to me um the other the other story that i've heard is i had another friend that similar to you jody they were buying a new construction home and they were working through their mortgage company. And you know, the mortgage company traditionally wants you to escrow your your uh, property insurance and your taxes through them, right? They make money off the float. So typically, um, when you go to uh, get a mortgage, part of the servicing is that they would like to do the escrow and pay the taxes for you and pay the insurance for you as a convenience. But in reality, they're making money on that, right? They actually lose money when they don't get to do that for you. Um, what's interesting about that is this person uh, bought the house and said, okay, mortgage servicer, I trust you. You know, we will let you escrow the taxes and pay the insurance. So the good part was they did pay the insurance. The bad part was when it came to escrow of the, uh, no, I gotta correct this I gotta correct this there wasn't a good and bad part it was all bad Jody I take that back it was all bad it was all bad it was
1: from bad to worse
0: it was it, yeah it goes from bad to worse I'm sorry about that um, so real estate taxes wound up being about twelve thousand dollars for this home and I would say that the the home insurance is maybe two thousand a year fifteen hundred two thousand dollars a year for the homeowner's insurance so over the course of a year the mortgage servicer escrowed $10 for the entire year because they miscalculated everything. So my friend was on the hook to come up with $14,000 with immediacy. Now, in all fairness, that person probably should have done more homework to look at the statements, see what was being done, Mm -hmm. etc., but at the end of the day, I don't think it was malice. I just think it was pure stupidity and error that this happened. So once again, this comes back down to being your own advocate. You really have to read the fine print. You have to do your own due diligence. It's almost uh, equivalent to if, if you have a family member that is sick, um, the same rules apply. Um, God forbid a catastrophic illness. That person has to become their own advocate, or a family member has to become their own advocate to take the notes, to do the research, to do the Google searching, to look for doctors, to follow up on test results, all those different things, you could apply those same rules to finance, right? You really have to be your own advocate, because if you're going to rely on mortgage companies and credit card companies and other large banks to handle that for you, you might be in trouble.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's 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 be honest about this. And, and I'm not trying to bang banks, but I'm going to bang banks. Bank, banks are not uh, benevolent, right? They're not there. They say they're there to help you. They have great advertising. So, oh, it's your bank and it's a community bank, and we're so we love you so much. They don't. They love your money, and they want more of it. Um, and to be fair, they're in business to make money. You know. So, but we'll, we'll set that aside for a minute. They're they're not going to help you keep your money when their fine print says that they're entitled to it. So you have to, to your point, Paul, read the fine print, make sure you ask the right questions, make sure you're intentional with your money and your budgeting. Um, and don't make, don't walk into the mistakes and the traps that have been laid before you. Um, because they're written in, you know, six
0: point font. Yep, absolutely. And I know that from my perspective, and all the things I, I'm very careful when doing transactions. But once in a while, I'll get caught right in, in some sort of bear trap. Right. The good part is if you get caught in one of those bear traps um, of finance, you know the key thing is stay calm, assess the situation, realize you may have to take a hit uh, for some. You know, like I said before, with my late fee, it just happened. I trusted couple of institutions to do the right thing they didn't do the right thing and then learn from those mistakes right do your proper escalation on those calls to see if you can get the issue resolved or get the the fees wiped away but for the most part um you know just you have to learn i think you said that yeah you said that early on in the podcast you have to learn from those mistakes you have to make sure that you're not repeating the same mistake twice i know on a past podcast you talked about closing of accounts uh which was interesting when you were transferring you had too many transfers um that was very interesting and, and was though was that between the same bank or between two different banks what was nope, that that was that was within and i won't name the bank but it was within
1: a single bank and this this is a big bank um because the other thing i wanted to just quickly touch on is that um For the most part, the frustration that we're venting here is is about the big banks, the impersonal banks. Right. Um, We also have we also bank with a with a credit union that is nothing but wonderful and gives us an extraordinarily high interest rate on our savings accounts. So um, to the degree that you can, I would recommend people uh, uh, check out credit unions. Uh, because they can be wonderful institutions. And the, and the experience we've had with the one that we use is, is tremendous. Um, going back to the transfer hit, um, this was a transfer back and forth between a checking and a savings account within a big bank. And um, the direction was I couldn't make, I couldn't exceed, I think the number was six transfers in a given 30 day period from the savings, to another account. And in this case I was was transferring money from savings to checking. Um, and the way my budget is set up, we, that's, that's what we do weekly. We transfer a certain amount of money, a set amount of money from the savings to the checking to cover bills and blah, blah, blah. And we, and we build up that savings account, um, as we can. Um, and so I exceeded whatever the number was six, the number of transfers from savings to checking. And on the seventh one, I got the, you know, the automated message within the banking app uh, and then a letter home that follows up because they follow up with hard copy saying you have exceeded and we're automatically closing your account according to federal law. Hmm. Um, Now, I never bothered even looking into what federal law it was, but I went into the bank and I was like WTF. (laughs) I've been banking here for 15, 20 years. Uh, What do you mean you're closing my account? And the, the, the woman who was there, who was very nice, said, oh, don't worry about it. We'll just open you a new savings account. And I thought to myself, that is so stupid. Like, A, either the, the federal law is stupid, right, because it's my money. I'm just moving it from one account to another. Two, the federal law sets up a situation by which you are constantly opening and closing accounts. That's wasted energy. Um, you know, unless somebody's and I'm sure unless somebody's profiting off this in some way, this just seems so dumb. Um, now, the only reason that I kept it there, it was because it took me five minutes to open a new account. And they didn't mm-hmm. take away my money. Obviously, they just closed the account and they didn't shift the money anywhere. Um, and then I just went in and in five minutes, I opened a new savings account. They shifted the money over to that new savings account. You know, once it washed out of the old one and that balance was zero, boom, I I shut that account down off my profile and it was gone. But it, it just seems so ludicrous. Um, and of course, when you get that note in the mail, like, you know, you get that notification, you know, we, we are automatically closing your savings account. Like, really? And you, wanted, you want to pull a gangster move that you pulled with the credit card company and like call somebody up and pound them and then clip the card up or, or so they can hear it.
0: Yeah, that's, that's probably, I mean, It's interesting, the amazing, and and I've done this too, and I I probably, that was probably the one time where I did cut ties with the bank. But a lot of times, these big financial institutions, like you said, they have this um, idea of stickiness where you stick with them because, like you said, you know, well, they're just going to give me a new account and my money's already there. If they give me my money, I have to go find another account. you know, and, and, and go to a new institution. And,
1: and what I was thinking too, was that, you know, then I got to reset up my direct deposit and I got bills and, you know, you get entrenched in an institution. And so it's, it's more trouble for you than it is for them when something like that happens.
0: Very true. And, And that's why, um, me and my wife, we have, and it goes back to, I've said on another podcast where we actually still cut physical checks to each other, for the monthly expenses because our joint account is with bank A and our personal accounts are with bank B. And when we try to do a, a transfer between the two banks, inevitably there's fees on both sides for the transfer because you're going to another bank. Uh, it would have been easier many years ago to consolidate the joint checking into one but for some reason because of the stickiness because i have to get new checks uh, for the few checks that i have to write i have to change the account numbers i have to change direct deposits whatever these different pieces are i don't do it so i live in 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 this in this situation where you know i'm still cutting checks now they've made it easier because i could take a picture of the check and send it but it would be easier to do it with mouse clicks and maybe at some point after listening back to this podcast today um, maybe it'll motivate me to consolidate and finally get rid of that one joint checking and put it into um, into the other institution where we have all our banking. But then it comes down to risk. And I know it's not a huge risk, but putting your eggs in one basket. And I'm not talking about the monetary risk, but more around the risk of access, right? So if all your money is in one institution and something happens to that institution Yes, you'll get your money. Everything's FDIC insured and all those different pieces, but access to it. What if something happens and you need that money? So we always, especially after 2008, when banks were collapsing into each other and the mortgage crisis and you had small and independent banks being closed, we thought at the time it would be better to have diverse accounts in different institutions, and and I think that that still holds when it comes to access. I don't think you'll ever lose your money, but getting access to the money, if it's all in one spot, is probably not healthy either. That's why we maintain different accounts in different places and we live with these inconveniences of having to cut checks to each other rather than logically clicking a button and transferring the money. Because at the end of the day, it's got to cost both banks more money to process those two stupid checks than to allow me to do an interbank transfer.
1: No, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, it's so much of banking is is automated now um, and, it, and it's terrifically convenient. I mean, I love the fact that I can go on my laptop and, you know, and do what I've got to do financially just to keep everything humming. So then I don't have to make a trip or think about it or anything like that. Um, but but yeah, it, it comes down to. How much does it cost the bank um, to keep the customer versus how much is, does it cost them to lose the customer?
0: Yeah, and at the end of the day, it seems that um, they don't mind losing the customer, for the most part. No. For yeah, the most for the part. most
1: part. No, there are 50 people in line behind you. Absolutely. Sucker, sucker born every minute.
0: <laughs> well, with that, um, I guess on an angry summary recap, uh, maybe not so angry. Uh, it's all in good fun, right? So um, to really recap this episode, you've heard a lot of the pitfalls that we've both made um, and, and really, I think for me, the key takeaways are you need to ask the questions and you have to be your own financial advocate and triple check paperwork, triple check with people, with bank managers on the websites, whatever you need to do to make sure you're completely comfortable with the rules of engagement with that bank. And then the next piece is read and reread any of the fine print. I know it's painful. Like you said before, Jody, that six point font pull out the magnifying glass, give it a read, at least glance it, make sure you understand it so you can make intelligible decisions about your money and not fall into these pitfalls. Anything to add, Jody?
1: You said it, Paul. I just would add being intentional with your money, uh, being intentional with the decisions that you make uh, will really help you. Uh, If you develop that habit of being intentional, um, you will... You will make fewer mistakes. Don't think you're not going to make none, um, but as you you know go through life, um, you should be making fewer and fewer mistakes, and and that starts by being intentional with your money.
0: Absolutely, perfectly put. And I think we got through this whole episode without any garage doors opening, so I think that's a good that was a good thing, and no and no kid interruptions, right? So, um, I guess uh, on that note, Jody, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally forward looking forward to the next one. Uh, Thanks everyone for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Jody reminding you, managing finances can be stressful. That's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well and thank you.